Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host and Glossy senior reporter, Hilary Milnes, and this week we're running a special series in honor of New York Fashion Week. With me today is Vicki Yang, who is the talent and digital strategy manager at the Society Management. Thanks for coming in, Vicki. Thank you for having me. So why don't we start with your role at the Society? Uh, what, what all does a uh, talent and digital strategy manager do? It's definitely an encompassing Um, responsibility. Um, Obviously, the digital era has really transformed the idea of model and talent management, um, especially over just the past few years. So um, whereas originally, you know, you would just manage talent in a more two-dimensional way, um, you know, sending them off to jobs and um, arranging logistics right now, we're very, very much in um, active in making sure that we're also kind of overseeing a lot more things like content management and uh, digital activations and, you know, and all sorts of things that are more of a three-dimensional aspect of their career. So for me, um, I think I both oversee it for specific talents, um, uh, for specific reasons, and then also the entire roster for um, certain aspects. And then um, specifically for our digital influencers, which we call creatives at the Mm -hmm. society, Um, I oversee very, very um, day-to-day jobs and day-to-day logistics for them. So Mm -hmm. that involves either um, negotiating contracts with clients, um, doing public relations on their behalf, um, and just in general, making sure that um, they're um, careers are progressing in uh, with the vision that they have Mm -hmm. and also that we have for them. So, and you weren't always on the digital strategy side. You had a more traditional talent managing role. Was that always at the society or did you move around a few times? Uh, No, I was only at one previous agency Mm -hmm. and um, it was Maryland. Mm -hmm. Um, That was where I actually interned back in 2010 and um, where I ended up being hired and also um, and just spent a few years there and then um, actually migrated with um, a good part of the Maryland team over to society. Mm -hmm. So I've actually been with the same team pretty much for this entirety of eight years and you know it's like a second family to me um and a lot of our talents some of the talents i've uh, known since they are you know still teen uh teenagers going into young adulthood and now they're full-fledged adults so Mm -hmm. i've watched that progression and also how their careers have progressed but also how the industry has progressed and evolved over Mm -hmm. um this almost a decade so it's very interesting so what point during your career was it like oh this space is changing a lot there's now this um entire world of influencers that they're not they're not models but they're not you know, they're, they're still in this space. What did you, when did you realize like, this is going to be a new role for me? I think it's interesting because even before I entered the industry, um, I noticed some people from, you know, the sartorialist, sorry, I always have <laughs> uh, issue pronouncing exactly pronouncing mm-hmm. his, um, his title. Um, also the likes of Susie Bubble, mm-hmm. you know, they were kind of um, very ingrained in the uh, luxury sector and in the uh, progressive um, fashion sector, I guess you could say. So they were, they started out um, as bloggers, as street style, um, I guess, uh, content creators and um, kind of made a name for themselves. And then they started going to shows and starting to have a voice of their own that talked to people that might not usually have access to it. So this was almost 
um, this was maybe when I was in university that mm -hmm. I noticed their rise. And um, but because I was going into this um, space of model management, I think at that time um, I didn't really see the crossover. Mm -hmm. um, but then, as you know, the shows went on, the seasons went on, you started seeing more and more individuals similar to them pop up. And you know, those um, those people they started to thrive on Instagram. They started to thrive on a variety of platforms. You know, like. Um, Mary Peller and so mm -hmm. on and so forth, um, eventually evolving into a media empire of her own. So these were really interesting um, evolutions for me to witness firsthand, because even though we were working very strictly with models, I was kind of fascinated by how um, you could be self-made, almost a self-made entrepreneur through just curating content and providing your voice and um, still having a having your little own journalism space and fashion, so to speak. And then, you know, you could actually um, transform that into something like a partnership with a brand and mm -hmm. um, creating a channel of revenue for yourself. Mm -hmm. So that was something I kind of uh, always paid attention to aside from, you know, um, uh, chaperoning models and managing travel and, um, you know, managing photo shoots and things like that. Um, and once I moved to society, um, we kind of wanted to expand that idea a little bit. And eventually it actually all started with uh, a specific talent that I recruited by the name of Irene Kim. Mm hmm. Um, she's a Korean-American, um, incredibly creative influencer that's very well-known um, in that field and also outside of it. Um, she really was somebody that I noticed, and um, I had been friends with her when I was at Maryland. Uh, acquaintances, actually. We had, we had um, known each other. Um, but then she went back to Korea and um, after working here a little bit, and we were still Facebook friends. And then one day, suddenly, I saw this girl with rainbow-colored hair, mm -hmm. um, which was kind of her uh, trademark at that moment. And she, was, um, had, she had a front-row picture at the Calvin Klein show. And I was like, wait, is that the Irene I know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, how did she make it to that point? Because we had kind of lost touch a little bit. So I messaged her on Facebook. And you know, I was like, what's going on with you? You know, how, how did you make it here again? And things like that. And she kind of caught up. Basically, she had, um, she had done some things in Korea and um, kind of made a name for herself there. Mm -hmm. And then um, as both a model and an influencer. And uh, eventually, you know, she got to work with a lot of the brands on a local basis, and she became more and more um, respected and well-known in that market. Um, and then she would come back, you know, for Fashion Week to go to those shows um, and maybe help promote them in the Korean market. However, she was a f uh, she was an American citizen. She spoke fluent English, and I was like, "Hey, do you want to, you know, do you want to, you know, be represented in New York?" And you know, I don't know what exactly we're gonna do because you know <laughs> you're not based here, and um, you know I know your main bread and butter is somewhat. Um, focused in the in the digital space, you know, she's she's shooting editorial, but she's still very much um, creating content for her social platforms, creating videos, and um, in all in all, just like you know, not necessarily walking the runway, but also being front row and you know, generating that kind of marketing material for brands. Mm -hmm. And but that's that's kind of the surface level mm -hmm. of everything. And so then we were like, yeah, let's do it, you know. So that kind of um, that kind of was the beginning, the inception of. Um, everything that came after and that formulated the creative board that's currently at society. Right. Um, I mean, she was kind of the, I guess, like the first in a way mm -hmm. to be represented. And um, she has educated me a lot. And our subsequent talents that have um, joined our roster have educated me a lot because in a way we're all just evolving and growing together and understanding 
you know, this brand new, um, maybe not so brand new anymore, but this um, constantly changing um, and digital, uh, digitally driven type of uh, area to the fashion industry. Right. And so, and so right now, what's the breakdown for the talent between models that you would say are more traditionally considered models and the creatives? Oh, it's still very, very primarily models. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, our staff is has decades of experience in the uh, traditional modeling um, industry. And um, we have contacts with, you know, all the best photographers, casting directors and stylists and, you know, the brands. And that has never changed um, since my days at Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and, you know, on the creative side, we are trying to actually keep it very specific, um, only recruiting uh, certain talents that we feel um, speak the uh, speak this certain language to their audience, and also have a synergy with us and mm-hmm. how we function. Mm-hmm. Because we're not a traditional influencer agency, and neither are we a traditional modeling agency any longer. So to be in that sweet spot, you know, we also have to find people that kind of hit that similar sweet spot. Um, that they are um, not only influencers, but can also, you know, cross over to modeling or mm-hmm. cross over to another vertical that is beneficial to a more dimensional career. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that we're driving them from all directions and um, envisioning, um, you know, things that they might not be envisioning. Right. And so during an event like New York Fashion Week, what uh what role do the influencers play and, and how do you manage their time? I'm sure it's differently. You're not putting them on the runways like you might a regular model, at least not yet. But, you know, what do your responsibilities include for, for a time like this? So yeah, for in traditional modeling, there's, you know, you send the models to castings and um, they, you know, they might go to multiple castings, uh, even for the same brand. And then um, you wait until um, they're possibly selected for to walk for a show and then they go to a fitting and then they go hours earlier than the show actually starts to do hair and makeup and um, and then walk the show do more appointments of that nature mm-hmm. you know do another show so that's kind of that um, that formula for influencers they have a lot more time to play with because they only have to show up for the show mm-hmm. um, sometimes you know they'll go to the showroom and select uh, outfit and whatnot um, specifically but most of the time you know the brands are also very busy so they just send clothing of their size to like their hotels and whatnot and right. if if something's to their liking they'll wear it for the show and kind of like represent that moment for that brand mm. um, but basically they are there to you know to not only associate with great brands, great up and coming brands, great established brands, um, and but also to help them with, you know, um, with visibility and or just reminders of the brand. You know, like sometimes Fashion Week is almost too accessible, mm. but how do you how do you still provide a refreshing perspective from um, uh, somebody from a different region, somebody from a you know a different um, industry you know you i think for pr of brands they also kind of have to think about this you know what kind of um what kind of areas of the world do we want to hit and then what kind of um different uh worlds do we want to reach out to mm-hmm. and so when they um find influencers and you know even uh, entertainers and um actors actresses you know they all have to have these considerations but all in all influencers um and you know the ones that are focused on digital um platforms they provide these channels of communication that the brand themselves may, might not be able to organically create amidst all the chaos mm-hmm. you know they they trust they're, they're these are the people that they trust to create content um, that are that's interesting and um, invigorating to their specific audience and it just 
it, the outreach is so much more vast than what their uh, even the branded own the brand owned channels can um, maybe can establish. Right, and obviously it's such a crowded time. Like you mm-hmm. mentioned, it's so accessible, so they're always obviously looking for these standout moments. But you mentioned things like like a moment or uh, like a reminder that the brand's there. Is it? Um, what's like the disclosure like for those things? Cause you've mentioned, like you mentioned, it's like you're both figuring it out. Uh, how does that, it's kind of like the wild, wild, wild west still. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, I think that's where management comes in a little bit. You know, we help see what brands are probably positive associations for them. Uh, for example, you know, the streetwear scene is incredibly strong right now. And mm-hmm. we have a couple of, um, uh, people, a, a couple of creatives that are very, very um, respected in that field. So, you know, we make sure that their their association is very strong, continues to be very strong with those designers, those particular brands. Um, but then sometimes you want to sprinkle in a little bit of something of the opposite nature, you know, and you have to kind of convince another brand, hey, like, you know, um, you, you know, this person can give you um, a brand new, potentially open up a brand new market for you um, because their audience is super committed to who they are and what they represent. And, you know, if you, that brand association could be a positive one for you as well because um, they're the, um, they're kind of the in-demand um, name, in-demand person or the up-and-coming person. Mm-hmm. And you want to really um, grasp that early on so that, you know, you can also kind of be a part of the conversation. Um, because, you know, in a way, fashion is centered around human beings, individuals, you know, mm-hmm. without people wearing them, without people um, disclosing, you know, their style and their um, their aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no fashion. Right. right? Um, it would just be like a piece of art on a wall in a way. Um, but it's a very, very comprehensive art form. So, you know, it's a movement. It's a um, movement, literally movement, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a... Um, it represents a lot of different identities. So you want to make sure that, you know, the culture is, um, you know, the culture is always present in a way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes these influencers will bring, you know, they'll, they'll even consult for brands and be like, hey, like, um, I feel like the next step for you should be uh, maybe go in destruction. And, you know, they listen to them. Mm-hmm. They really do. It's very, very, um, it's very, um, it's a privilege to have people like that. Right. And be part of your roster. And so is it, so is it your job to try to identify the best brand for them to work with or the opportunities that's that's worthwhile? How do you identify that? You mentioned streetwear is obviously a big trend, uh, but anything else? Or do you look at it and say, is this the right fit? You mentioned because you're not an influencer agency. So right. how much do you have to be like, oh, is this authentic and, and looking yes. at it that way? No, for sure. It's a lot about authenticity. I know that's like an overused word of at course. this point, I feel like. <laughs> but I feel like that's one thing that I've really appreciated about this world is that everyone sticks to their vision and uh, sticks to their personal, um, like if you have a niche, you're so committed to it. And then your audience and your following is very committed to it, maybe amplified by that. So um, to be able to um, commit to what you love, what you truly love within and segment that is something that's very, very valuable. Mm -hmm. You know, like brands really like that you have people that are committed. You can have a million followers and have and just be a generalist. You know, you're, you're, you don't really represent anything. You're just kind of there to like, to like talk about whatever there is to talk about. Mm-hmm. But if you have a niche following and that, that following tends to be very, very committed and they'll, they'll help you with like, you know, even if you have a call to action, it, it actually gets converted or like it actually gets accomplished. Mm-hmm. So it could be, um, it could be something as simple as 
buy this um, piece of clothing, but something as um, you know more encompassing as um, some kind of uh, charitable cause. Mm-hmm. You know, so th- having that kind of voice is, I feel like that's what we want to continue. Um, managing our talents to cultivate and develop because it's such a valuable asset to them and to have a platform like that and to be able to voice um, who you are through something visual or something um, subliminal like it's it's just such a critical thing in this digital world that's already saturated with everything you Mm -hmm. know like your how do you make your voice stand out and how do you make um, your voice like um like something that's easily relatable. So right. that's what we always want to help drive right. for our talent. And how does coming from a more traditional background as a talent manager put you in a in a good position to to see both sides? Do you think that there there's an advantage to having that perspective over having like launched an, an influencer centric agency? Because uh, there's still definitely traditional aspects to this. Like if you're an Instagram influencer, you're modeling on your own feed every day. Um, no, it's really interesting. I guess we're, I, I would say that my team has been very, very supportive. Um, you know, they, it's a new world for them as well. Like from, from the CEO down to my fellow colleagues, it's everybody's kind of like um, navigating it together. Mm-hmm. So to them, um, they're witnessing something very refreshing. And also they're noticing that they're clients who previously might be more inclined towards traditional models are looking for people that are are utilizing their platforms in certain ways and that are that have certain facets to their career um so i think i think uh the important thing is just um to have that traditional background really enables you to understand the industry, especially the luxury sector at its core um how you know how branding works in a much bigger um i think much bigger um in a bunch with much bigger methods Mm -hmm. because a lot of the brands we work with are like heritage brands and you know they're notable for doing multiple projects with so many people and you know managing that kind of train is really difficult so see so bearing witness to how something like that operates um and and then like you kind of like utilizing it um, on how we manage our talents is really like our influencer talents is really useful. And from a traditional background, I think we get to know um, kind of what fashion is kind of what fashion represents to the consumer Mm. um, because, you know, it's, it's always, you know, there's an aspirational quality to it, but now there's also a, a associative quality to it. You always, you know, are in this digital era where everything's accessible. Like, how do you, how do you, are are you looking to be the um, unique and you know almost um, smaller, um, smaller underground thing, or are you looking to be the mass, a mass aspect? And I think these differences, these nuances, after you work in traditional modeling, you understand them a lot better. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, not everybody might be buying Italian Vogue, you know, but there's a certain quality to the work that's presented in there and the image that it represents that people will always have a respect for um i think that culture and that kind of art form right but um you know but and then you take it back a notch and you say oh um you know you you want to be you want to present yourself in that high quality way but and then uh, you know but you also want to find a way to relate to the uh, general consumer mm-hmm. I think that's what fashion is looking for and I think that's what influencers should strive to be and I think that kind of education and that kind of knowledge helps us shape um, the talent that we manage right absolutely so it um, you know we, we've heard about 
editor versus influencer rivalry (laughs) in the past during fashion week fighting over the front row. Is there anything similar with models or, or do you see there, they can act seems like they can more easily cross the line. If you're a model, are you also an influencer by nature? How does that dynamic work between the two? I think there's definitely a, there's a definitely a, a co- there's a coherence in that, and our goal for sure is to make sure that our models are also seen as influencers in their own right. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we also have to educate them in you know how how what does it mean to be an influencer? What does it mean to really cult uh, uh, really edit your um, really edit your identity and like make sure that, or not edit it but find your identity I mm-hmm. would say and um, disseminate that mm-hmm. you know sell and it. find kind of your not necessarily sell it either but just present it mm-hmm. you know and and find that um, maybe the the crowds and the audience that you that actually will flock to you in a very genuine way you know because mm-hmm. a lot I think for models um, a lot of it, people might be approaching it like, oh, they're just pretty mm-hmm. or this is, you know, they're they're walking the Dior show and I want to do that. And that's why I want to follow them. But they've but, been anonymous for a while. Yes, for a they've been so a lot. Unless you're of, like a Gigi. Then, <laughs> exactly. But but even Gigi is kind of that crossover. You know, she, right. you know, example, true examples would also would more be like the Giselles and the um, I guess like but, but before her, maybe the Imans of the world mm-hmm. a little bit like they've kind of cross cult. They're kind of cross culture phenomenons in a way. But um, but those kind of have those are one in a million, you know. So how do you continue to do that, but encourage all of our talents to um to uh, strive for that kind of identity, strive for that kind of um, recognition, and that's something that we're trying to figure out, mm-hmm. you know. From I think from my um influencer, now that I've had some education in the influencer aspect, I'm actually twisting it back a little bit. And looking at our models coming in, especially for New York Fashion Week, and seeing, okay, what can we do to help educate them, to help them get, especially the first timers, how do you start off, you know, really like, you know, you might not get a million followers in a day, but how do you create, um, you know, create this following that's like, that will be um, effective for you in Mm -hmm. the future? Because it is true that clients sometimes are are going towards um, the numbers direction or like right. the effectiveness direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but at the same time, you know, we want them to maintain their, you know, they might, they come, they might come in with a very, very traditional vision of being a model. You know, mm-hmm. I want to shoot for Vogue. I want to walk for Victoria's Secret. But for us, it's like, okay, you can, do, we want to help you do those things as well. But the, here are other methods that can help you get there, maybe even in a different way. Mm-hmm. And then maybe help you gain a long-term career that's beyond those two goals. Right. You know, because like I said, a lot of the influencers are self-made entrepreneurs. We want to encourage our models to have that kind of, um, I think, have that kind of uh, identity and have that kind of uh ambition for themselves mm, the reach people mm-hmm. are looking for the numbers yeah okay. that, that's definitely there but i you know honestly people should look deeper right <laughs> people yeah. should look deep just like how they should look deeper into models as well not right. just on the surface right well thanks so much for coming in vicky i appreciate it um and thank you for listening this podcast is produced by aditi sangle and we'll be back tomorrow with another episode in honor of new york fashion week as always be sure to subscribe on itunes stitcher and google play and leave us any feedback you have Thank you.